Hello, this is Andrew Allen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cast Iron Shorts. With Cast Iron Shorts, we ask for some prompt words from you, out of which we can create a brand new story in about an hour or less. Today, on Monday, April the 6th, the words that you gave us on social media were hoist, million, bruise, and burnt. I'm fairly confident that I only had to check the definition of one of those words, although I make no such guarantees of success of the correct pronunciation of those words. Out of your prompt, we managed to create a story in about an hour, and the story is as follows. Tonight's story is What Light by Andrew Allen. Once you got your bearings, it was relatively easy to work out where everything was. This was the staircase, and over there was the front door. And here was the little hallway that wasn't actually called a hallway, but Maureen could never remember what the proper name was. It didn't matter, she reflected, if you used something every single day of your life, you didn't actually need to know what to call it. Maureen was aware of Luke staring at her, and it annoyed her. Well, not annoyed her exactly, but it certainly irritated her. The boy worried about her too much, thought that she was stupid. Sometimes he forgot that his mother grew up in the 60s and 70s and had done a fair amount of sex, drugs and, well, not exactly rock and roll, she'd always be more of a scar girl, and racing around town on her motorbike. She smiled. She hadn't thought of a motorbike in over 30 years. She saw her son frown at her and start to walk over to her, panic and confusion flickering over his face like a demented flipbook. She was momentarily confused, but she supposed she was reacting to the simple fact that she was smiling. Perhaps he thought that she shouldn't be smiling in this situation, that if she was doing anything other than sobbing or wailing and gnashing her teeth, that she was not fully aware of the mess they found themselves in. She waved a hand at him, and to be fair, he stopped, waiting. I'm fine, she told him, not quite able to keep a curt tone out of her voice. I'm not in shock, I'm not delirious. That felt like it needed one more to respect the rule of three, but she couldn't think of anything right now, and so she repeated herself. I'm not in shock and I'm not delirious. She grimaced. Saying it once had been convincing, probably. Saying it twice made her sound like she was lying to herself. A porch, she said suddenly. Judging by the expression that now fluttered over her son's face, suddenly barking out the word porch immediately after claiming repeatedly not to be deranged was possibly not as convincing as she might want it to be. She considered explaining that she had previously been struggling to remember the word for porch, but at this point she wasn't sure what good it would do. She looked around again. If the porch was indeed there, that meant the hallway leading to the kitchen must be over there. Seeing her eyes shift that way, Luke tried speaking again. That's where they think their fire started, he explained. She tried to stop her irritation bubbling up again. Irritation that not only did her son appear to think the fire investigators had bypassed her, the actual owner of this house, at the mere age of 72, and spoken to him, the so-called man of the house, despite him not having stepped through the door in nearly 20 years, but also that he appeared to be exactly right in his assumption, even though all the insurance was in her name. Anyone who wore both a tie and an expensive haircut had ignored her entirely and spoken to him. That did have its advantages, though. Rather than having to listen to various lawyers explain to her in great detail what the logistics were, she could just ask her son for the headlines. Are they going to pay out? 
he shrugged, and in that shrug, she could see exactly how things were going to pan out. No reason why not. They've already got copies of all the emails you sent to the gas repairman complaining about the bot's job. It was an accident waiting to happen, and you asked for it to be fixed a hundred times. She nodded and looked around the space again. Occasionally, she would catch a glimpse of the remains of a wall, and that would prompt a ghost image of the room that she had grown up in, one with brightly coloured wallpaper and soft furnishings, rather than this burnt-out husk of masonry and timber. Finally, she was able to define what had been confusing her eye. A wall had collapsed against another wall, meaning that the second wall couldn't be currently seen. Luckily, she already knew that the first wall, the one that had fallen down, wasn't made of brick at all, but a partition of wood. Really, it was a minor miracle that it hadn't burned into ash, although it would have made her current task a lot easier if it had. She regarded the wall carefully, remembering her father put up the partition. Her father. She sighed. That was something else she hadn't thought of in years. She almost sighed again and then stopped herself. She was beginning to brood, and there was work to be done. She beckoned Luke to join her as she approached the wall. Help me get this up, she instructed, and perhaps surprisingly he didn't argue. Perhaps he now accepted that she wasn't hysterical. Ah, hysterical, there you go. There's your rule of three. Working together, it took them only a matter of minutes to hoist the partition wall up and put it away from the main wall, which presented a window, or at least it would have done if all the glass had not shattered. Breathing slightly heavily, Luke glanced at her expectantly. What did we do that for? What are we looking at? We found it, she answered, pointing at the window. The mullion. Luke blinked at her, either because he was convinced that she was hysterical after all, or simply because he had never heard the word before. Possibly both. Maureen leaned towards the window and gripped the bar, dividing the two parts of the window. It was made of metal, so it was perhaps not surprising that it was still warm. Although it was metal, it wasn't fused to the rest of the window, and after a bit of a struggle, it came away easily in her hands. It was about three feet long and nearly a hand wide. She laid it down on the ash-drenched floor, almost reverently. What is that? Luke asked. It's a million, she replied. Who uses words like that? She considered the question. Architects, I suppose, she said at last. My father, your granddad, was always concerned about thieves and losing things. And why about fire, in fact? But he never trusted safes. Always thought that if you had a safe, it would draw attention. Prefer to hide things in plain sight. She reached forward and squeezed. There was a clicking sound. A part of the million shifted. It reminded Luke oddly of the narrow case he had used to carry his pool coos in in the summer that he had tried to convince himself that he liked to play pool. I've stored things in here ever since. Just photos and birth certificates and the like. Luke caught sight of a photo of himself as a baby and a picture of his sister taking less than a year before she died. All of it was untouched by the fire. This is all I need, Maureen said. The flames can have the rest. Light streamed in through the window. It warmed them both.